This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. When dealing with struggles in life, we can be enticed to seek diversions to ease the burden of trials rather than to turn to God for answers. These past few weeks, we've been talking about the hymn book of the Bible, the book of Psalms. In today's program, we will consider Psalm 16, written by David, which talks about the blessings we have as followers of Jesus. We are going to take a look at a song today that I believe is useful for facing temptation. So stay with us and grow in God's Word. We begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father, we praise you this day for your faithfulness and never-ending love. We gather today to once again focus on your amazing grace and to hear your word of life which is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. So speak to us, O Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Our reading for today is Psalm 16. Protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the holy ones in the land, they are the noble in whom is all my delight. And those who choose another god multiply their sorrows. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names upon my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also my heart instructs me. I keep the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my soul rejoices. My body also rests secure. For you do not give me up to Sheol, or let your faithful one see the pit. You show me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Dear friends, if someone were to ask you, why do you stick with God? Why do you keep following this Jesus Christ? How would you respond? That is a question, I believe, that Satan loves to throw at each one of us now and then. His mission is to destroy our relationship with God in Christ. And he has a variety of tricks to chip away at that relationship. Sometimes it's diversions he throws our way. Why don't you pursue other things, he says. Success, pleasures, prosperity. There's nothing wrong with that. They'll make you very happy. 
And in a way, he's right. These are good things that God has given us. But Satan knows as human beings, we have a tendency to wind up making idols of good things. And they can take over our lives. For instance, work and success works good, but it can sure take over a life and push God out to the periphery. Or money. There's nothing wrong with money. It provides us with a good standard of living. But scripture points out to us the love of money is very dangerous for us and can pull us away from God as it becomes our idol. Sometimes Satan uses pleasurable alternatives, tries to make sin against God attractive. For instance, with Eve in the Garden of Eden, when she said, God said, we can't eat of this fruit, it'll it'll be our death. He said, that won't happen. God's just holding out on you. You can be like God's. Go ahead, take a bite. Or Jesus on the road uh, to to Jerusalem telling his disciples he's going to die a horrific death on a cross. Peter objects. And to Peter, he says, get behind me, Satan. What an interesting thing to say to his friend. But in those words of Peter's, he heard the voice of the tempter. Take the easy way, Jesus. Try doing these things my way. Don't go to the cross. Don't fulfill God's plan. Turn away from God's way for you. It could be so much easier. Another tool he uses is adversity. Maybe some tragedy or miserable situation strikes in your life. and He whispers, what's the point of sticking with God now? He's disappointed you, hasn't he? So why waste any further time with him? I suggest looking for help elsewhere. He's not the real deal. I think of the story of Job and the misery that hit him, and then his wife says, curse God. Or I've seen people struggle with with God as a tragedy is hit. Or people have said uh, things to them like, uh, I can't believe you're hanging on to your faith after all, all this has happened to you. Such was the case with the writer of Psalm 16, whose name was David. This psalm, I believe, has something to teach us for when we're tempted to turn away from God. It can serve us as a shield, a cover. It can be our refuge from trusting in anything other than the God who loves us. It reminds us where real joy and pleasure is to be found. It begins as a petition, this psalm. Preserve me, protect me, O God, for in you I take refuge. There's a crisis, there's an attack happening, obviously. Some scholars surmise that the story behind this psalm is found in 1 Samuel 26. Uh, David has been under attack by King Saul, who's insanely jealous of David's popularity, ever since David killed the giant Goliath. And Saul has been trying to kill him, and he's chased him around in the wilderness for years. Had to have been a miserable life for David. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 26, we see an episode where David has the opportunity to kill Saul in his sleep, but he doesn't. What a temptation that must have been as his partner beside him said, come on, take his life now. We can get this over with. Stop running. It's a shortcut. But because David wants to remain obedient to God and not harm the Lord's anointed, the king, he lets him live. He believes that God will take care of Saul in the end. So he takes Saul's spear and a jar of water that was next to Saul's head as Saul slept, 
and he goes a distance away from the camp, and he shouts from atop a hill to wake everybody up. He shouts out to Saul's general and the troops, You are terrible watchmen and guards of the king. Where is the king's spear and water jar, David asks. And then he points out, I had the opportunity to kill Saul, but I didn't. Saul said, is that you, David? David says, Saul, why are you so set on killing me? Why are you chasing me around? Your own men have driven me out of here into the wilderness that I should have no share in the Lord's heritage. And they've told me, go serve other gods. Did you hear that? The voices saying, go serve other gods. Maybe it was his enemies. Maybe it was even people on his side. These words may have been quite tempting to, to David. Life hadn't worked out as God promised when he was secretly anointed to be the next king of Israel. It had been years living as a fugitive. He's tired of dodging Saul and his army. Maybe he should give up on God and worship other gods. It had to have crossed his mind. David is not only under a physical attack by Saul as he prays and preserve me, but a spiritual attack by Satan, who's saying, why do you insist on sticking with God? Look elsewhere to the other gods for building your life. For David, that meant idol worship. In our day, we have our own idols, money and possessions and people and power and pleasure. Anyway, this could be considered a critical juncture in David's life. There are two paths to choose from here. God or elsewhere. Maybe you've been at a critical juncture like that in your own life. In this psalm, though, we see David standing firm. As he says, I won't have anything to do with that sort of thing. I won't join those who run after other gods. That's nothing but trouble and sorrow. It's a dead end. David is basically saying here, I'm sticking with God. He says, I've said, you are my Lord. You are my Lord, my boss, my leader, my God. Why can he say that? Because God has stuck with him. David then proceeds to count the blessings of life that he has experienced with God. He says, God, I have no good apart from you. And then he enumerates on that. In you, I have the delight of being part of your community. The holy ones who follow you are my inspiration, my supporters, my encouragement. It could be just like someone said to me not too long ago, I just don't know where I'd be without my church. I love my church. It's been such a support to me. And David says, when push comes to shove, I choose God every time. He is my chosen portion and cup. And he says to God, you hold my lot. My lot in life, you take care of my welfare. You are the source of my contentment. He says, in you I have a goodly heritage. I'm reminded of uh, Martin Luther writing in his first article to the small catechism. God has given me all that I have, food and clothing, home and family, daily work, all I need from day to day. He protects me. All this he does out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy. That's what David's saying. And he says, God has not only provided me with what I need for daily life, but when I'm mixed up and confused, God blesses me with good counsel. He shows me his way, how to live life his way. He instructs me through his word. At night, even my heart instructs me. 
He meditates upon the word. That's the picture we have. David's lying in bed with the word rolling around the promises of God. And he hands all those fears and concerns that he faces during his days over to God as he goes to sleep. And he says, I'm going to rest in the Lord. What do you do before you go to bed at night, folks? David says, I I hand it over. David says, I keep him always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Being at his right hand means he's my advocate. He's my champion. He's the warrior who comes alongside of me and defends me in the battles of life. He says, that's why I can rest secure. I can sleep at night. That's why my heart, my body can rest and my heart and my soul are glad. He says, and on top of all this, I have a great promise. He says, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Does David believe in resurrection? Some scholars argue over this line. But we see the Apostle Peter taking this verse and using it in his first sermon on Pentecost, in chapter 2 of Acts. He takes this verse and he says, This is a prophecy of King David. You shall not abandon my soul to Sheol. You shall not let your Holy One see corruption. Jesus, the son of David, as people called him, fulfilled that prophecy by being raised victoriously from the death as the first fruits of the resurrection. And trusting in Jesus Christ, we have the promise of eternal life. With David, we can say in this psalm, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, to death. You've defeated death. You hold me in the palm of your hand for eternity. In Christ, I have a life that is eternal. Amen to that. And you make known to me, David says, the path of life. You give me your wisdom, God, and you reveal to me what's good for me and what's not good for me. You've made it very clear in your word and in your presence. As I live with you on a daily basis, Lord, there is fullness of joy. Walking with you, I've received the joy of knowing you and being known by you. And it's nothing but joy. And in your right hand, he sums it up, our pleasures forevermore. Because I have you to thank for that. I I see this illustrated in a story that I came across a while back. Have you ever heard of Christopher Parkening? He's considered to be the world's greatest classical guitarist. He achieved his musical dreams by the age of 30. And by then he was a world-class fly-fishing champion. However, his success failed to bring him happiness. Weary of performing and recording sessions, Parkening bought a ranch out in Montana and gave up the guitar. But instead of finding happiness after getting away from it all, his life became increasingly empty. He wrote, If you arrive at a point in your life where you have everything that you've ever wanted and thought that it would make you happy and it still doesn't, then you begin to question things. It's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I thought, well, that's what's left. What's left? While visiting friends, Parkinson attended church with them, put his faith in Jesus Christ. 
developed a hunger for Scripture and was struck by 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And now he explains, I realized there were only two things I knew how to do, fly fish for trout and play the guitar. Well, I am playing the guitar today absolutely by the grace of God. And he's playing for God. I have a joy, a peace, and a deep-down fulfillment in my life I've never had before. My life has purpose. I've learned firsthand the true secret of genuine happiness. That's what David seems to be saying in this psalm. I've learned firsthand the secret of true happiness. I love this psalm, don't you? Because it reminds me of the blessing I've received through walking in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Why stick with God if that's ever rolling around in your head when maybe times are bad or you're being tempted to pursue other things in life? The next time that question is asked either by you or someone else, I encourage you to turn to this psalm first and read it and do a review of the blessings that David lays out for us as followers of God in Christ. Better yet, do what Jesus did. Pray this psalm on a regular basis. And I encourage you to start counting your own blessings and maybe even write your own psalm. You can do that. Begin it by saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm sticking with you because, and then list the blessings. And finally, finally, maybe someone is listening in today that is not connected to Jesus Christ. You've not tasted the grace of God in your life. This psalm, I hope, serves as an attraction for you. I want to encourage you to take a step towards Christ. Ask him into your life to take over. Because he's waiting to give these blessings that I have just described from David's mouth. He's waiting to give them to you. Experience firsthand the secret of true happiness. It's in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, you have stuck with us, so we want to stick with you. While we were lost in our sin, you came after us through your Son, Jesus, to redeem us. You counsel us in your word. You have given us a promise of everlasting life through Christ. It's you and only you who gives us life and joy. So by your Holy Spirit, help us to fight the good fight of faith. And in our hour of weakness, give us wisdom to trust in you alone. In Christ's name we ask this. Amen. Now as you go on your way, may Christ go with you. May he go before you to show you the way, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, above you to watch over, and within you to give you his peace. Amen. You have been worshiping with the radio and internet ministry of the Christian Crusaders. We pray today's message has served as an encouragement to stick with God during times of adversity for answers to the secret of true happiness. Christian Crusaders is a nonprofit ministry supported entirely by the gifts of our listening audience. 
estate gifts, large and small, have become a significant part of our ministry. Please consider a final gift to your favorite ministries as a part of your estate planning. We thank each of you for your gifts and prayers. We are excited to introduce our redesigned, colorful new website where you can find both a printed and audio copy of today's message, as well as many recent messages. Visit us today at ChristianCrusaders.org. CDs and printed copies of today's sermon are available free of charge. However, a gift of any amount to help cover production and mailing cost is always appreciated. Address your request to Christian Crusaders, Post Office Box 522, Cedar Falls, Iowa 50613. Our toll-free telephone number is 1-888-MY-FAITH. That's 1-888-693-2484. In the Cedar Falls, Waterloo, Iowa area, dial 277-0924. We are happy you were able to worship with us today, and we pray you will join us again next week on this same station. Conducting today's service was our speaker, the Reverend Steve Kramer, Senior Pastor of Shepherd of the Valley Lutheran Church in Afton, Minnesota. Christian Crusaders has been broadcasting biblical truth continuously for the past 80 years.